about, the title of this message is From Concealed to Revealed. We're talking about how many of the, the most important things that God has for us in life are hidden. And there's a process that he takes us from of helping us find the things that are concealed. I, one of the interesting phenomena that's kind of swept across the country in the last few years is escape rooms. How many of you have been to an escape room? Let me see some hands. Yeah, a bunch of you. I've got my oldest son's in college. He's been to seven of these. He's kind of an addict. I mean, he's just like, he loves going and kind of gets a buzz. But, you know, if you don't know, an escape room is a, it's a business where they, you go in a room with a group of people, and then they lock the door, and there are clues inside the room. You have to figure out the puzzle, and you, go, you figure out one thing, and then you go to the, one, the next one and figure it out, and you have an hour, usually, to, to solve the mystery that is hidden that will get you out of that room. And if you step back, you're like, that's kind of weird. Like, you're paying people to lock you in a room. Like, why would you do that? But there's something in our hearts that we just, there's something about finding the thing that is hidden that we are wired for. You know, since from the time kids are little, they play hide and seek. And there's just something about us that loves to search for things that are hidden. And sometimes one of the reasons people give for, for not following God is they're like, well, man, it's just so like, man, if, if God was real, why doesn't he just make it more obvious? To which... The one obvious response is, well, it is pretty obvious. Like, there are clues of God everywhere you look in the world and inside of us. He is, there are just, it's, it's plastered with clues to God. But it is true that the most important thing in life is a relationship with God. And we are people who live in a material world. We're material people. And God is invisible. And so the very aspect, the very, the very nature of of a relationship with God, the most important thing in the world is that there's a hidden element to his nature. And God invites us to get to know him. It's interesting, and when I've talked to people that do escape rooms, always the best experiences for them are the ones that are challenging. You know, the best ones are they're like, man, it was so hard, and we had to work together as a team, and... And Susie, like, she had the answer for this question that nobody else could figure out. And then Fred had the answer to this one. And then we solved it, and there were like 12 seconds left, and we got out of the room. We barely made it. And that was the best experience. And there's an element of that with God that he doesn't always make it easy to know him or to find the, the wisdom that he has for us. There's a searching and a looking that he invites us into this process of that it's, it's worth it to pursue him and look. In a way. And our, our theme verse for this morning is, is Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. I friend Asia Banner here on the front row. She mentioned this recently. It kind of got me thinking about it. She said, she mentioned this verse. She said, That's like one of my favorite verses. And I thought, wow, I'm glad to hear that, because that's one of my favorite verses too. And we're going to talk about it this morning. So Proverbs 25, 2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. Wow. That will help us a lot in life if we realize that's how God sets things up. It's God's glory. It's part of his nature. And what makes him God is that he's a God who hides things. He conceals things. And he's made people in such a way that it, it brings out the best in us to search things out. 
that to look for things that are not readily obvious sometimes, but to go after them and to search them out. That's what we were made for. That's what calls us up to live as the men and women God called us to be. And really, there, there are two things we want to focus on that God conceals and that we're made to, to search out. And I've, I've mentioned them already. God conceals himself to a degree. Now, like I said, it's, he's, he's made evidence of himself all over the place, but he does hide at the same time. And so God hides himself, and there's an aspect of it's the glory, it's the highest calling of men and women to, to search him out. And another thing that God hides is wisdom. Answers. Skill. The answers to problems in our life and in the world. Uh, wisdom is a valuable commodity. That's why a bunch of you are paying a whole lot of money to go to K-State with the hope that you're getting some wisdom and knowledge that that $80,000 investment or whatever it is is going to pay off and be worth much more than that. Wisdom is, is priceless. It's, it's so valuable. And wisdom is not just, you don't just get it like that. You, it's a hidden thing that we have to search for and find. But wisdom will make all the difference in our life. Our success in life has much to do with the wisdom that we find and apply in our life. And, you know, sometimes we, we complain that God and his wisdom are nowhere to be found. But sometimes it's just because we don't like to look very hard. Now, just this morning I was sitting in my chair at home, and I was, I was kind of, I was reading the Bible, and I had my notebook, I was writing some things down, and I, I dropped my pen, and... I had my, my briefcase right next to me, and there's a lot of stuff in there in different compartments, and it like went right to my briefcase, and I was like, looked in, oh, I don't see it there, I don't see it there. Oh, man, I just like gave up. I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's too hard. Like, I don't have time to find this pin. And I like caught myself, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I think I'm smart enough for this. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about my daughter, Amzie, we went on a camping trip, and we realized... Like, she does this a lot. Everything was like, it's too hard, and I can't find my shoes. Well, have you looked? I looked! I tried! And then you, it's like, they're right under her feet. And that's, but we do that, and so I was like, I, and finally I caught myself, so, okay, I, I can find this, really. This isn't too challenging of a problem for me. I think I can figure this out. And so I started looking through my bag, and actually I didn't find it, and then I looked next to my bag, and it was right there on the floor, under my foot. But a lot of times that's how we are. Like, God's wisdom is there. But there is a level of searching it out, of seeking, of putting ourselves in a position that we're getting where we need to get to find it. And the question is, will we search it out? And there's a, a story in, in the Old Testament about Daniel. This man named Daniel, and he had three friends. And... We're not going to read the whole story, but basically what happened is they were taken into captivity from their homeland of Israel to the most powerful kingdom in the world, the kingdom of Babylon. And they were chosen to become, uh, basically it was like a kind of a university environment, but the, the, wise peop- the wise men, the counselors for the king, they were in training to become one of the, the, the counselors for the king. And in chapter 2, the king has a dream. And it's a dream that troubles him. But he knows that it has a meaning. He knows there's something important, but he doesn't know what it means. And so he calls his, his wise men in front of him. And he says, hey, I had a dream last night. It's really important. I need you to tell me what it means. And they say, okay, yeah, tell us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. 
But he said, and we don't know if this is because he forgot the dream, or if it's because, you know, sometimes you have dreams, you know, like, man, there's something to that, but I can't quite remember it. It might, likely that was the situation. But another possibility is he knew this dream was so important it needed a divine interpretation. It needed wisdom from, from above. And these are supposed to be spiritual counselors. So he told them, hey, I'm not going to tell you the dream. If you're legit, you tell me the dream, and then tell me what it means. And they're all like, whoa, wait a minute, nobody's ever done that before. That's too hard. You know, I mean, yeah, we're spiritual and all, but, you know, that's, that, that's, that's, nobody's ever asked anybody to do that before. He said, hey, that's the way it's going to be. If you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, off with your heads. And so you think your boss is tough. Man, this <laughs> a whole other category here. And so actually Daniel and his friends, they were, they were young, they were in training, they weren't there originally when the pronouncement came, but the, they got the message. They came to them and said, hey, this is what happened, and so you all are going to be killed. And Daniel went to the king and said, king, just give us, a, give us a little bit of time, and we'll come back to you with an answer. Wow, that's some faith right there. That's a man who's walking with God and knows that God is a God who reveals mysteries, and he's learned how to, how to get to those, how to find them. And so in verses, I'm going to read a little bit of this, from verse, picking up in verse 17. It says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then, so I love that. He, he knew that it's the mercy of God. But God is a merciful God. And he said, hey, God, we're going we're gonna to go to God. We're going to pray. We're going to ask him for his mercy, that he would show us what this means, and that we won't be destroyed. And then it says in verse 18, then the mystery was revealed. Everyone say revealed. 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 The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, can you imagine how happy he was? Like, wow, he got the answer. Like, oh, my life has just been saved. All right, I, yeah, God, you came through. I, I believed you would, but you did. That's awesome. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Just look at that. Let's just take a moment. Who does God give wisdom to? What does it say? The wise. Like, is that fair? Isn't it foolish people who need wisdom? And it's true. God, God gives wisdom to, we're all foolish, and God is generous with his wisdom. But wisdom is to seek God. And wise people are those who know that God is the source. And it's kind of like the rich get richer sort of thing. Like, the more wise you are, the more wisdom you get. The more understanding you have, the more knowledge you have, the more knowledge God gives you if you take it and apply it. Because wisdom is looking to God, and if you keep receiving that, it just builds upon itself. In verse 22, it says, He reveals deep and hidden things. And the deep and hidden things in our lives. The questions about, man, why, why am I battling loneliness? Why am I battling depression? Why do I have issues with my relationships? Why... 
why is my family like got these problems from generation to generation to generation and I can feel the same tendencies in me? Where, where is the wisdom that can change these things? Where are the answers for our society? Where are the answers for racism? Where are the answers for misogyny? Where are the answers to economic problems around the world? God reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. God knows, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the king's matter. And he went, and he told the king the dream. And it's interpretation, and, and their lives were saved, all the wise men's lives were saved. But much more than that, it was a dream about the kingdom of God and about God's purposes in history and where that king, King Nebuchadnezzar, stood in that line of history and where, what God's overarching plan was leading up to, to Jesus and the kingdom of God coming. And God revealed that through Daniel and his friends who sought the mystery. And so we see the, the pattern here. The pattern is that God conceals things so that we can search, and then he reveals. God conceals, we search, and he reveals. And I'm going to give the rest of our time, I want to give a few hints on where to look. But before we do that, I just want to invite you to pray with me. I just want to ask, and I want you to think about, is there a problem in my life or in the world that I need wisdom for? Something that's hidden from me. Like, I, don't, I don't know it right now. I need wisdom. God, would you give it to me? So let's just take a moment and, and ask God to help us. God, with the things in front of us right now, the hidden things, I ask that you would, Lord, we want to search for your wisdom. And even right now, even as we're sitting here this morning, you can bring wisdom. But Lord, beyond that, help us to engage in that searching process. Lord, and I, I just pray for everybody here this morning, that there would be revelation, there would be answers as, as we do that, that you would bring answers to problems that bring breakthrough. And we trust you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's kind of change gears here. The, one more verse, actually, before I change all the way. Matthew 13, 44, I told you that that dream was about the kingdom of God, and if in, your, in your handouts, we have a weekly reading this week. We often do this where there are chapters in the Bible that we'd love to have you read on, ponder this week. Um, Daniel 1 and 2 are among those, so you can see more of, of, of this story. But in Matthew, I told you that dream was about the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 13, 44, Jesus is talking. And he says, the kingdom of heaven, or another way to say that is the kingdom of God, those, those terms are interchangeable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. So it doesn't mean where you go when you die, like oh, I, I need to go to heaven when I die. This is talking about God's reign, God's rule and reign in the world, on earth as it is in heaven. It's the way God wants things to be in all the universe. So it says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. There it is. It's, it's treasure, but it's hidden. Which a man found and covered up. Why did he cover up? Cover it up? Well, because he didn't own the land. So he didn't have a right to the treasure. So what does he do? In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I, I love this story. 
You know, we all love hidden treasure. Here's this guy walking around one day. He's in a field that doesn't belong to him, and somehow he stumbles upon hidden treasure. And it's worth a gob of money. It's worth a lot. And so he obviously wants it. So what does he do? He tells the owner, hey, you got treasure in your field. You know, good for you. No, that's not what he does. He goes and he, he can't, he, the, the treasure in that field is worth way more than all of his possessions. But he doesn't, he could never buy that treasure with his possessions. But what he can do is buy the field that the treasure is in. He has enough, if he sells all his stuff, he can buy that field. And so he accumulates all his stuff, he sells it, he gets the money, and he goes to that owner, and he buys the field. He buys that piece of dirt. Because, you know, that dirt is worth something, but it's worth much more because of what's hidden inside it. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what the treasures of God are like. They're incredible treasures that he has for us, but the places where we find them, they don't always look so exciting. They don't look so glamorous. It's the place to look, the place to find it, looks like dirt a lot of times. And so I'm going to give you, the rest of the time, five places to look. We're going to go quickly through this. Every one of these we could spend a whole day easily talking about it. But I'm just going to kind of let you do the work of looking. But I'm going to put you on the right path of some good places to look to find the treasures, the wisdom of God, the kingdom of God, the stuff he has. It's, this is kind of like, like good fishing holes. I've got a friend here in town. I don't like to fish personally. Like I told you, I can't even find my pin when it falls under my feet, so I'm certainly not very successful at fishing. But I've got a, a friend here who's a great fisherman, and he goes, like every summer, he takes his really nice boat, and he goes up to the Great Lakes, and he fishes them, and he enters these tournaments, and he wins prize money, and he's like on ESPN, and it's, it's pretty cool stuff. But he's told me, like, he, he always goes like a week early, and he starts scouting out the lake. And, you know, if he can find some locals, he can find some other fishermen, he takes them to a bar and gives them a few drinks and sees if he can find some secrets from them. Like, hey, you know, where, where are the good places to look? But he scouts out and he finds, like, he, these are the places where fish are biting. And hopefully where other people aren't there. So he can go, when the tournament starts, he sets up his boat and he, he has good success. And this is how it is for us. These are like good fishing holes. Places where God has put his wisdom and put himself, if we look. Now, the first one... And these are, these are also surprising. They're not oftentimes what we would expect or what's natural for us. If it was obvious, it wouldn't be hidden, right? But hidden things are always in that surprising place. You, you didn't think to look there. And that's how it is with the places God hides things. So the first place where God hides himself and hides wisdom, we're going to talk about is solitude and prayer. What's solitude? That means getting by yourself, getting away from media, getting away from your phone, and being quiet. A few hundred years ago, Blaise Pascal said that all men's miseries derive from not being able to sit in a quiet room alone. Wow. That was 300 years ago. What's it like now? We have a hard time sitting in a quiet room alone. But that is the first thing that we need. If we're going to encounter God, it's getting alone with him. Getting away from distractions and listening and being honest and opening our hearts, praying, listening, 
we encounter. Many of our problems, we could find an answer if we would just take 10 minutes and go somewhere quiet and say, God, help. I don't know what to do. You'd be amazed at the answers that come to you, the answers that God brings if we just do that. Jesus himself, he was God, but he lived this out as on earth as a man. In, in Luke 5.16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and, pl- and prayed. Now that was the pattern of his life. And that's the pattern he invites us into. And so we talk about what does it mean to be a Christ follower? What does it mean to follow Jesus, be a disciple? I think our church, we say the first thing you need is a regular time with God, just you and him. Make it, if you can make it daily, that is a wonderful habit that will transform your life. If you can take some time, start with 10 minutes. But get time alone with God and his word and listen to him. You will find him and you will find wisdom. And it may not be that first day. It may not be the second day. But I guarantee you, you do that for five, six, seven days, you're going to start learning things. And things are going to change in your life. Sometimes, the, you know, solitude comes to us not by design, or not by our desire. It's circumstances of life. We find ourselves all alone or in an isolated situation. And my wife, Reagan, was read, read this recently, and we were talking about this, and she said, man, this... Ann Voskamp, Voskamp is a, an author, Christian author, and she, she just read this, this quote. Ann Voskamp says, How many woods, how many wildernesses had I, found, had I found myself in? Had I known, God takes us into wildernesses not to abandon us, but to be alone with us. Many times the wildernesses of our life, the dry places, the empty places where we we feel like, oh, God, where are you? I'm all, you're abandoning me. That's not actually what's going on. But God is actually weaning us away from all the other junk in our life, or the idols, or the stuff we're trusting in, because he's jealous for us, and he cares about us, and he wants to get alone with us to give us what we really need. And so the wilderness time is actually God bringing us near to him, that we can experience him and what he has for us in an incredible way. So that, that, that's a good hiding spot right there, huh? Solitude. The second one is, is study. Wow. Yeah, I, you're college students, a lot of you, you know, studying. Do you like it or not? Usually not. But there's something, we, we believe education is powerful. So studying, especially scripture, is a means God has given us to uncover truth. You often hear people say this, like, education's the answer to everything. And, you know, that's a little exaggerated. But there is something about the act of, of just focusing your mind on something and delving deep into what others have learned and what's, what's there available and meditating on it and learning it and pondering it that brings us the hidden treasures God has for us. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But it's not just reading or going to class or consuming information, but it's, it's deeper than that. It's really processing things mentally. It's, it's pondering what you're engaging with. That's how God invites us to read the Bible. It's not just like, oh, these are some facts, but it's read it and ponder on it. Chew on it. Think about it. Let it kind of mull over in your mind. It said, Mary did this in Luke 2.19. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
Now, other people saw the same stuff happen as Mary, and they were impressed, but it went deeper with Mary because she took the time to ponder it, to think about it, to study it, to ask God, God, what are you doing in these circumstances, in these events of my life? She got something more. And so there's something very powerful in that. In Jeremiah 15, 16, you know, it says, well, before I go there, what, what do we study? Is, are we talking about just the scripture, the Bible, or chemistry, biology, anthropology? All of it. Like all, of, all of truth is God's truth. All the world is, is God's world. Psalms 24 one says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all God's. And so he's, he's given us a, a, an ability and a capacity to, to study and to learn and to, to learn more of him and his world. As, as we ponder that. And so it's true of everything, and it's especially true of, of Scripture. It's especially true of God's Word, that this Word has the power to transform us, our life. And there's infinite amount of wisdom buried in, buried in this Word. In Jeremiah 15, 16, Jeremiah says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became the joy and delight of my heart. And that's, that's how, how God has made his words for us. They're, they're food for our souls. They're food for our spirit. Not just to like, in one ear and out the other, but to chew on, to say there's life in here. There's wisdom in here. God, what do you have for me? And as we, as we study, as we ponder, God opens things up for us. All right, the third one. It's a little different. The third place God hides treasure is in screw-ups. Now, I don't mean your failures, although that's, there's a lot of wisdom to be found in our, when we fail. But by screw-ups, I mean all the people around you who are imperfect, who are a bunch of screw-ups. <laughs> and why do you call it, I'm keeping the S thing going. I had four out of five S's, and not this one. So, but uh, this really says it true. It's hard, the reason it's hard to find wisdom in other people is because they're such screw-ups. The best person that you end up marrying because they're the greatest person in the world. You also realize they got issues. <laughs> and sometimes you don't realize that until you get married. Now, you know, I, my wife, no, Reagan, you know, less than almost anybody else. But me, yes, very much, the other way around. You, everybody, the closer you get to them, you realize, man, people are really imperfect. They got problems. They got issues. And... What's crazy is that God hides his wisdom for us in our relationships with other people who are messed up people. And that's really, that's what the church is. The church is God's answer for the world, is the church. It's, it's us. It's messed up, imperfect people with issues. But he's chosen to use, to use the church. And in 1 Timothy 3.15 Paul says that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. You're like, yeah, the church, it's the pillar and the foundation of the, of the truth. That sounds like a great idea. Until you go to one. <laughs> Until you meet those people. You're like, whoa, 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 not this church. Not this group of people. Let's keep searching for another one. That must be who God meant. But, you know, as the old saying goes, if you find a perfect church, you better keep on walking because as soon as you got there, you just ruined it. 
<laughs> because churches are made of you and me, imperfect people. And God has made it that way for us to be interdependent with, with other people. And that much of the wisdom we need comes through our relationships with people. Have you, is, I think one of the most interesting things in the world to me, one of the greatest abilities people have, I'm not joking about this, is our ability to see other people's problems. Like, isn't it uncanny, it's just amazing how good we are at that? Like, we don't have to try. We don't have to do solitude or study or any of that when it comes to seeing other people's problems. It's just, is usually pretty readily available to us. Like, we, we kind of see that. But you know what's crazy? We kind of play this game. Like, I won't tell you your issues if you don't tell me my issues. And we got this little truce going on here. And, you know, sometimes it's because I, I don't trust, usually a lot of it's I don't want you to tell me my issues. But it's also because I don't know that you want me to tell you your issues either. Or I've tried, and that didn't go so well. And you don't really listen so good. So let's not do that. But the church is this, you know, this, God's made it to be a family where it's a welcoming environment, where it's a safe place, where people know one another and trust one another. And out of that, you can let people into your life that you know are for you and that can help you. And some of it is just, you know, some of it is that. It's just the stuff in me. I mean, just in the last, like, 12 hours, I've had to repent to four different people about the stuff in my life that came out, that they helped me see. And that's just the last 12 hours. And, like, that's, but I'm so glad because I wasn't going to do that. I couldn't, I wouldn't have gotten there without their help. And it's a good thing. And so much of what God has for us, not only that in, in our issues, but just in the wisdom of God, stuff they've learned, wisdom, things that we can gain from. It's in other people. And he, he invites us to learn it from one another. Um, it it's involves, you know, church, it's, it's interesting in, in uh, Hebrews 10, 24. We're told, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't neglect meeting together. And this is the famous verse every pastor uses to tell people, hey, you need to come to church. It says it in the Bible, and it does. But it's, you know, you need to come to church on Sunday. That's what the Bible says. Interesting, in the Bible, in the New Testament, they didn't just go to church on Sunday. They, they got together with the church like every day. But, there, but even then, they had a tendency. People were neglecting meeting together. People were neglecting. They, they lost sight of the value of their relationships and their interaction. And there were people who were like, you know, I learned all that already. And, you know, it doesn't do anything for me. And they had to be told, hey, don't neglect it. Because this is important. There's a hidden treasure here. But oftentimes it feels like dirt. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like treasure. It just feels like these are very ordinary people. But there's something so much more. That God has. Um, another aspect of this is of getting, finding wisdom in, this, in people is, is the idea or the practice of getting good advice from other people. So the Bible calls godly counsel. And I think this is one of the least understood things. But all throughout the Proverbs especially, it talks about, hey, you will do good if you get advice 
from other people who, who are trusted. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise guidance you can gauge your war. And in abundance of counselors, there's victory. There's, I think, it's something little understood, but when, especially when you have big decisions in life. Like, hey, should I date this person? Should I buy this house? Should I buy this car? Should I take this job? The bigger the decision, the better idea it is to get advice from trusted people. And here's the thing. though: Don't just talk to people who are going to agree with you. That's what we often do is like, oh, I'm having this struggle. I, I think I want to do this. What do you think? And we ask the person who we know is going to say, yeah, yeah, that's what you should do. Or, yeah, you're great. But find someone who maybe won't agree with you. But find someone who's, who's doing well in this area of their life and get advice. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there. Fourth fish and hole is service. Serving. Serving other people Serving God produces wisdom in our lives. And the flip is also true. One of the things that, or probably the thing that keeps us the most idiotic is our self-centeredness. That was true for me. Man, when I get, I'm in self-centered mode, I'm, there's not a lot of wisdom going on. It may seem wise, you know, up, up here, like I got it all figured out, like this makes sense, this makes sense, but it's all about me. And it's not wisdom. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, lose your life. Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life, for my sake, will find it. There's something about emptying our life of our self-centeredness, giving for others, that God brings life in that place. And so, you know, as a church, we have a lot of great places to serve. If you want to help find a place to serve, talk to someone at the Welcome Center afterwards. Um, There are places to serve in this community, but don't do it like this. Don't be like, okay, I'm supposed to serve, so I'm going to give one hour a week and serve. It's like, you know, I need, I'm in high school, I need 40 community service hours before I graduate, so I'm going to do the hours. You know, you may, it's easy to serve and not really be serving. It's easy to serve and not really be losing your life. And that's dang miserable. That's a horrible place to be is when we're serving but not serving. When we're like grumpy about it, that means we're still holding on to our life and our rights and our wishes. But it's, serving is like, my life is not my own. I am a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is his. And every moment is to be service to him. Okay, I, and the more we embrace that and live that way, we find wisdom, we find life. And that leads to our last fishing hole, which is Surrender. The more we surrender, the more of God's hidden wisdom and the more of himself we find. And often in a lot of the other processes of seeking for wisdom, seeking for answers, God is bringing us to this place of, of surrender. And that doesn't sound so fun, but it, it brings life. I, many times when I've been struggling with something, the place where it breaks, the place where, place where I get a breakthrough is when I come to the place Saying, okay, I want this, and I got this problem, and I don't know what to do about it, and it seems like there aren't enough resources, or I don't know how it's going to work out. If I come to the place and I say, wait a minute, wait, okay, God, you're my God. You're my Lord. I want your will. And I kind of want it to go like this, but God, if that's not your will, I say yes to whatever your will is. I surrender. I say, God, 
let your will be done in my life. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to love you in this. And it is immediate where freedom comes internally when I get to that place. I don't know how it's going to work out, but surrendering to God brings freedom. It brings relief. It brings joy and peace. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul writes, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Present your bodies fully surrendered to God, which is your spiritual worship. Nothing more surrendered than a sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It is when we offer our lives surrendered to God, that is the place where we can know his will, that which is good and pleasant and pleasing. So, what about you? I'm going to ask you, is there, is there a hidden thing in your life? Is there something that's been concealed to this point? Maybe more of a relationship with God. Maybe a problem you're facing. Where you need wisdom. I encourage you to just, maybe even just write it down. Like, God, I need help. I need wisdom in this thing. I want to ask you this. What, where are you going to look? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to try to find the answers? And if so, what fishing hole are you going to look in? Is solid? Where, where, where will you start? Where will you look first? Solitude? Study? With relationships with other people? With service? Or surrender? Now maybe you're here and you're like, I've never come to that place. I've never surrendered my life to the Lord. And this is a great time to do that. A great time to say, Lord, you died for me. I want to offer my life to you and live for you from this, this point forward. There's a promise in Scripture in Jeremiah 29, 29, 13 that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That God promises to reveal the things that are hidden when we seek him with all our heart. So, um, worship team, why don't you go ahead and come on up here. We're going to worship with one more song. And encourage you to just, wherever you're at, to be bringing those things that God's pointing out to you before him as we, as we sing together. Mm-hmm.